Hey everyone, welcome back to the Doctoring Duo podcast, where we, current medical students, tell you, current pre-meds and prospective applicants to medical school, what the real, unfiltered, and honest opinions about medical school and our daily lives. My name is Eleni. I'm an MS1 at Penn State. Uh, as a reminder, I want to tell our listeners that I do not speak for the school. I only speak for myself and my own opinions. Hey everyone, I'm Noah. I'm an MS1 at Mayo Clinic Alex School of Medicine. And similar to Eleni, uh, my opinions are my own and not those of Mayo Clinic. You know, I suggested to Noah when he got in there that he should call it Ketchup Clinic, that he should walk in and say, I would rather be a Ketchup Clinic. And he didn't laugh. So yeah, let no. it be going also, down on the record. Also, didn't do that on my first day. <laughs> <laughs> do take my advice elsewhere, though. Um, yeah, we have great. good advice so, otherwise. Yes. <laughs> uh, today's topic is called Let's Talk the Waiting Game. So, this is kind of the part of the interview cycle where everyone's a little stressed, everyone's a little down. You're seeing a few people get a lot more interviews that you would expect. And if that's you, congrats. But for I think the majority of you, the case is you're refreshing your inbox and hoping and praying. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, this is a really stressful time between that time that you finish your last secondary essay until you get that first interview invite is really, I think, probably worse than any other time. It's worse than waiting for your MCAT score, in my opinion. It's really stressful. You're like, am, am I meant to be a doctor? You have several existential crises during this time. Um, so we're going to give you a little bit of tips about the timeline and like managing expectations and probably talk about social media a little bit. I'm looking at you, Reddit, and Student Doctor Network. <laughs> yeah, when was your last secondary submitted? Oh, gosh. Um, so my last secondary was probably submitted. I, I had everything done by Labor Day, for sure. Um, so probably, like, late August was my last secondary, just so everybody yeah, is aware. What about my you? My last secondary... Sorry to interrupt you, Noah. I'm yeah. trying to relearn Zoom etiquette, you know. Now <laughs> yeah, I know. As we're person. going back and forth. Yeah. Um, my last secondary was August 18th. Um, okay. And actually, my last secondary was Penn State. So oh, there you I, go. The school where you attend. Yep. School where I ended up. So um, I think the biggest thing about the waiting game is that it's never going to be what you expect. Ever. Yeah. So, um. I think this is actually probably a good time to talk about the timeline since this is where a lot of people uh, freak out. You'll, especially you'll see on Reddit and Student Doctor Network that if you, if you haven't gotten an interview by like November, you're like done or you should be, start prepping for reapp. And, you know, I would tell everybody um, to calm down. You can get an interview as soon as July. Um, I know people who got interview invites in July. I don't know how that happened, but it did. Um, and you can get them all the way up until March or even April sometimes. Um, specifically, Alani uh, and I, we're, we come from Virginia. Well, we went to school in high school in Virginia. Um, I, I was born and raised here. And like our Virginia schools, you know, like EVMS notoriously has interviews that go out late into the spring. Um, so it's not necessarily a cause for panic if you don't have an interview before the new year. Yeah, and I think that Noah and I provide really good contrast in terms of timelines. Um, I think I think he was definitely at the top end, and maybe he wants to kind of talk about that. And 
I had a little bit more average of an MCAT score. And so I had a little bit of a different distribution. So Noah, maybe if you want to talk about your interview invite distribution, and then I can follow up with mine. So depending on your, your scores or where you think you sit, you may want to fast forward through one of us. Yeah. Um, so I'll save like details of the MCAT for maybe we'll do an MCAT episode, but um, just suffice it to say for this interview or, or for this process um, that you guys are going through, I had a little bit of a higher of an MCAT score. So my distribution probably, it was very front loaded. Um, I got a lot of interviews throughout August, September and October. And then it was like a slow drizzle. And then my final interview invite was in February. Um, for one of the schools I submitted a little bit later. And typically sometimes the higher ranked schools will send out interview invites later too. Um, it just depends on where you fall on their rank of competitiveness, um, various uh, socioeconomic factors that they're weighing too. So it's not always just about your MCAT score. It's about you know diversity, equity, and inclusion that can play a role as well. Um, so that's a little bit of what my cycle looked like. Yeah, so mine is in contrast. So I had a pretty average MCAT score, um, but I did okay in everything else. Um, so I was very sparse uh, in the front end. I got one interview invite in August, one in September, and one in October, I think. And then it was dead silence. And I was panicking because, you know, you read on SDN or, you know, Reddit or whatever I was on constantly at the time. Um, and they're like, oh, this is like peak interview season. Like if you're not getting interviews, like you're not likely to get more. And I got a majority of my interviews. So more than half in the new year, uh, starting in late January. So, and I did get accepted to a few of those schools as well. So for more average people, um, I want to encourage you to not throw in the towel. Um, I had my first acceptance in December. I think Noah had, you had yours like day one, right? Like October or something like that. Yeah, I had my first acceptance by October 15th, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be a different timeline. And um, I encourage you to not give up hope and not fixate too much. There's always going to be the guy that has... 15, 16, 20 <laughs> interviews, <clears throat> like some people. Um, and, you know, 90, 99% of people are not going to be that guy. And I'm here to tell you, like, as much as I'm here cheering on Noah, like, it's totally okay. Um, if that's not you, one interview invite can always equal one acceptance. That was my motto going through it. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I, I think it's something important to keep in mind. At the end of the day, like from people who have five interviews, 10 interviews, 15 interviews, I don't care how many acceptances you have. You can only choose one school to go to in the end. So it, it only takes one and that's all you need. Um, so I would be more focused on, you know, totally crushing your interviews than worrying about how many that that you have because it's not always the, there are plenty of high stat people by the way who've had plenty of interviews and haven't gotten in anywhere it happens so yes uh, <laughs> I know of several people to whom that happened um yeah so it's really quality over quantity I agree with that assessment yeah, yeah. and also I would not 
I I had a few friends that came to me and their first interviews were at like low yield schools. So Mm. for example, West Virginia hands out a lot of interviews, but does not have a great out of state acceptance rate. Um, You know, lower yields like Penn State, Drexel, uh, those schools. And they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm probably not going to get in anyways. And my question to that is, would you rather have none? Right. So even if you don't get in, use it to practice. At least that's my kind of advice on that, because if you have an interview this early, you're a very good candidate. And even if you don't, you're that doesn't mean you're not. But if you have one this early, you're a good candidate. That means you're likely to get others. Um, I don't know about, you know, but the big rule that I was followed was interviews three, a doctor you'll be like, if you get three interviews, you will very, very, very likely get one acceptance. Yeah, that that's how I feel as well. I feel like that's a good general rule. Um, of course, you're going to have people on the side of the spectrum who have like five and don't get anywhere. And then you have people who, like we mentioned, had one interview and that was their only acceptance. And that's um, all it took. So, yeah, I, I would agree. Use your earlier interviews, especially if you're not particularly confident. Like, let's say one of my first interviews um, was actually NYU. <laughs> so I just took it as an opportunity. I'm like, most likely, um, even probably a bit of a long shot here. Um, but let me take this out as an opportunity to one, do my best and two, get used to, for those who don't know, NYU has an MMI format. I have never done anything like an MMI in my life. And we'll talk about MMIs um, probably in a subsequent episode and all the other various types of interviews that you could possibly have. Um, But I took it as an opportunity, like Melanie said, to to practice and like get used to talking to people, getting used to telling my story, um, not feeling rehearsed. And, you know, this was really on the big show. Um, So that's how I how I approached it. All right. So kind of to wrap up this segment. Um, first and foremost, not everybody's timeline is not the same. You're going to get a lot of heavy hitters. You're going to get people that are very sparse in the beginning and very heavy on the back end, like me. Um, really, it's up to you and your personal application, and it depends who's reading your application. So don't stress. Remember interviews three at Dr. You'll Be. And remember, every interview, go ahead and give it your best. Even if you think there's no way in heck of getting into this school, you never know and might surprise you. So I think this is a great time to transition into discussion of social media. We talked about it in our last episode, but I really wanted to give an interview focus to social media. Noah, do you have any thoughts to lead us off on? Yeah. So as far as social media goes, um, I think Eleni will tell you too, I had a pretty unhealthy obsession with Reddit and Student Doctor Network. It probably would have been way better if I had stayed off those two sites. And I know we're about to give you advice to like not pay attention to them much, but you're going to pay attention to them anyway. So here's what I would suggest. If you're going to be on Reddit and Student Doctor Network, know that you're looking at probably the top quintile of of applicants, number one. Um, If you're on Reddit and you're on Student Doctor Network, you care a lot more probably than your average applicant because you're on social media sites dedicated to that specific realm and being the most competitive that you can be. So just manage expectations and know that what the internet portrays isn't your average applicant. And, you know, really it's your own journey. It's your own interview process and take it for what it is and not what you think it should be. 
Yeah. And I know we sound like hypocrites too. Like we were all <laughs> over Reddit and STN. Um, but I think coming and, and I know it's easy to say, oh man, you've already done it. You're already in, you don't understand. And I want to emphasize that we really, really do understand. Um, like we've been there. Like I've definitely had phone calls like with my dad, just like crying. I'm like, I'm not going to make it. Um, because like I saw somebody on SDM with like 10 interviews. I think I actually, I I was on pre-med the other day um, looking for something. I, I don't remember what I was looking for, but I saw this guy, this was like two weeks ago, already had something like 11 interviews. Oh my gosh. Wow. From through July, August. And I was like, that is crazy. And everyone was upvoting them. And like, that's great for them, but you're going to see a lot of that on social media and I think it's really important, like Noah said, to kind of compartmentalize that because this it really is like the top 2% of people, right? Everybody on Reddit and SDN feels like they're getting in. When in reality, the numbers say otherwise. I think only 36% of applicants actually got in um, last year. So kind of recognize that there's a really, really big skew um, and don't be too hard on yourself like I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, like, I will say that there are some legitimate uses to especially student doctor network, knowing like, at least for me, it helped get a sense of like, if you go back over past year's threads, you can get the sense of what the interview, uh, the interview invite distribution looks like. Um, You can see like, what stats are people applying with keeping in mind that you're probably going to get a lot of 515 plus scores when you're looking on these sites. but it can be useful, like especially secondary essays. They usually have the secondary essays posted. That's a big, that's a big one. Um, sometimes like experts like like Goro will be on there and answer questions. So I mean, it is useful. But <laughs> just I we should say expert with quotation marks. Um, but we should um, just just keep that in mind. And like there are legitimate uses, and you'll probably find yourself on there at some point. But I we we're both just really hammering home the point that. You're looking at the upper like five, like two to five percent of applicants and it's totally fine if that's not you because you don't have to be to get in so there's a reddit uh is it adage or a dodge i think it's adage um excuse <laughs> my adage. <laughs> yeah i think it's adage uh, <laughs> that you're either an sdn person or you're a reddit person so i think noah was more of an sdn person i was more of a reddit person um my rule was i don't go on sdn unless i have an interview invite for that school and i want to like look up school related questions like i don't go on other schools threads i don't like read like harvard or whatever because it'll just make me feel bad about myself um i just go on that school specific thread when i have an interview invite uh, look at the questions they have a compiled question list of past interviews use that to prep and that's it i don't go on sdn really for anything else uh, i use reddit a lot more i felt that people were a little bit more down to earth um there was a little bit like more general advice on there uh yeah. memes venting i thought it was a better space for me but find what works for you if you're going to use it um so in the interest of time i think we can wrap this up noah do you want to sum up our Thoughts on social media? Yeah, no. I think basically the take-home message is find whatever social media site works for you, except for Twitter. Don't don't go on that Twitter. Oh yeah, um, don't go on Twitter. Yeah, at all. Um, yeah. Reddit, I think, is a great. I, I agree with Eleni. It's more down to earth. You you have more. I want to say, quote unquote, normal 
people <laughs> on Reddit. Um, yeah, probably probably not, but you know, at least a little bit. Um, I think some sometimes they're a little bit more genuine in the advice that they give you than on Student Doctor Network. On Student Doctor Network, it's like if you don't have 520 plus MCAT and like 20,000 volunteer hours, you're not getting into the school. So, you know, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to handle. So just know what you're getting into before you get into it. I will say the chance me and like school, like, uh, like school recommendation threads were actually really helpful because those are usually patrolled by like expert mods. So like I did post a chance me and like they gave me like great schools for my school list. And like that was very, very, very helpful for me. So that is one good thing about STM. All right. So in our last, uh, you know, 10 minutes or so, let's talk a little bit about self-care. Self-care during the waiting game, self-care during interview season, self-care just overall as you enter the medical career. Noah, what do you do for self-care? Yeah. So, you know, I'm a really big proponent um, of self-care. I think every physician should be. We have this, if if you haven't learned this already uh, from pre-med onwards, there's a big culture uh, in medicine of if you're working harder and you're sleeping less, you're doing the best. And that's not... I don't think that's a healthy attitude to have. And um, I think our generation of physicians are hopefully trying to change this. Um, I think self-care, especially ex- for me, it's exercise. Like for me, I'm, I'm big into jujitsu and going to the gym and getting a good cardio workout. I think moving is essential to health. It's essential to mental health. And I think, you know, taking the time out of your day to go for a stroll or to go to the gym is really well worth it. Um, the other part of self-care is sleep. Um, I talked about it a little bit in the last episode. I, I don't, I think sleep is something that you absolutely should not compromise on. You can compromise on exercise. Like not everybody, um, has the time or necessarily the physical ability to do everything that a lot of people can do in the gym. But one thing that is definitely within your control, um, is your sleep. Try to get seven, eight hours of sleep or seek help for sleep. If you have problems with it. I think those are my two big, big things are exercise and sleep are what I would say as far as self-care. I agree on the exercise. Uh, no one knew me in high school. And I think if, if, if I had told him that I run like two and a half, three miles every day, I think he would have been a little shocked. But I, I think that like exercise has been such, a, it's also just time to like spend with yourself mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, I'm setting aside this time where I'm not worrying about studying. I'm not worried about applications. I'm just going to listen to music and run. And I think that was very helpful for me. Um, I think also like, I really, I try to pick up a new hobby guitar. I still suck at it, but that's okay. Um, I also really enjoy playing video games. And I think like that was very helpful for me. So do what you enjoy. I, I think there's one thing that I really don't like about self-care culture, at least when I was an RA and kind of, you know, going through interviews, because schools will ask you what you do for self-care. It's like this, I want to say like toxic positivity, where it's like, oh, I have to be so happy. And I do like all these stereotypical like things that, you know, will look good. Like I meditate or I do yoga or I go hiking and like, that's supposed to make me look good. And I feel like really do something that actually will help you because that's going to help you in the long run. Don't do it to write it on the M cost. Oh my gosh. I was about to say Eros. No, no, no. M cost <laughs> um, application under the hobby section, do it for you. And I think that will really help you in the long run. 
Yeah. And I definitely want to say, like, I know we always have this mindset of doing something to favor our careers. Like, let's say it's a hobby that you wouldn't traditionally put on um, an application. Let's say, like, let's say you don't have, like, a Twitch channel or something that's, like, impressive and you just like playing video games. And, like, most people would probably tell you not to put that on your application. Maybe that's changing. I don't know. Maybe we'll go into that on a, uh, another session about, like, hobbies and, like, AMCAST descriptions. But if that's what makes you happy, like, do, don't, like, not everything has to have this aim of making you a better doctor. Like, not everything in your life is about medicine. And that's a helpful thing to get through, like, your head right now. M medicine is not your, your life. Um, I don't think it should be. Um, and it's important to take care of yourself and to find things that you genuinely like. Whether that's sitting on the couch with your significant other and watching TV, playing a video game, uh, going on a two to three mile run. I don't know how anybody finds that enjoyable like Eleni does, but apparently she does. Um, <laughs> Jiu-jitsu, if you like going to a gym and paying lots of money to get beat up every day, like whatever floats your yeah, boat. Yeah, I don't know how people like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we each have, um, find what's right for your personality, what's right for your body. Um, and, and, you know, it, it'll work out. And do actually don't do something. Don't be like, oh, I don't need self-care. You know, I'm I'm built different or whatever. Because we've all thought that. I'm I'm gonna be real. We've all thought that before <laughs> at some point. And I think we very quickly realized that's not the case. So well, we're getting close to the time. So one last thing to leave you on is the dangers of comparison. Yeah, so let me see. I guess I'll tackle this first. Um, I guess I'll be um, a little bit upfront about this and say that I think a lot of people think that just because you're at the higher end of like an MCAT score or whatever, and my MCAT score didn't make me like special. I'm, I'm not any different than anybody else who got a lower um, MCAT score. Um, but like we compare ourselves to each other, like to other people too. Like for me, like, you know, I didn't, um, I had the MCAT score. I didn't have maybe necessarily like the clinical experience that other people had, or I didn't have as much volunteer work that other people had. And those are important components of your application too. Like um, I think you're more than just a number. And I think um, that's important to keep in mind. Know that you can never be reduced as a person to your GPA and your MCAT and the number of hours that you have in an activity. Um, there's always going to be somebody who has not 100 hours, but 101 hours. So there's going to be somebody who has a 519 instead of 518 MCAT. It's okay. They're on their own journey. You have to run um, your own race. And I know it can seem like I'm speaking from a place you're like, no, you got this MCAT score. How can you tell me about the dangers of comparison? So I fully realize that. And sorry if I come off as a little bit hypocritical, but that, that, that would just be my genuine take. So I compared myself a lot to Noah because I knew all his usernames. So I would like see it and I'd be like, oh man, and he's got another interview. Um, and, and it was weird because he was my friend, right? And I think that it was like, I'm happy for my friend. And I should focus on being happy for my friend instead of being sad about myself. And I think that like having that mindset, it's like, okay, I'm going to compartmentalize it. I'm going to be happy for this person and, you know, really focus on that instead of being like, oh man, I'm so terrible. Like, 
it's not about you. And I hate to say it that way, but I think that's what I learned was that it's not really about you when you look at others, right? Focus on you only. And if you see others succeeding, be happy. Or if you can't muster to be happy, be apathetic um, and kind of move on with it because being upset is not going to change it. And it's just going to make you, you're absolutely miserable. So that would be my advice. Focus on yourself. And at the end of the day, I'm a worst case scenario person. And so I kept thinking like, what is the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is that I have to reapply next year. The worst that could happen is I have to retake my MCAT and like reorganize my application, right? That's not life ending. That's not, oh my gosh, like I can't come back from this. Like you can come back from this and I believe in you, you will. So, you know, take everything you see online with a grain of salt. A lot of people lie as well. It's so easy for me to go on yeah. there and be like, I got 16 interviews and all of my yeah. leagues or whatever, right? And nobody could verify me. So keep that in mind. Well, I think that was a successful episode. Do we have any parting words of wisdom for our students? Yeah. So I think kind of like to reiterate and kind of give you like a global view of like what's kind of like the summary of what you of what you want us to take away from from us. And I think I'd say is know that interviews go from anywhere from like July to March last April. It's okay if you don't have one right now. Uh, today is like just after Labor Day, it's September 6th. If you don't have an interview right now, you're fine. Like take a chill pill, enjoy school, work, whatever it is, research, and your time will come. And if not, it's okay. Like the one was saying, it's not something that's life ending. Um, be cautious with social media, take time to take care of yourself and always remember that it's your journey, it's no one else's. And I would like to add on to a little bit of what Eleni said about the dangers of comparison and how um, she compared herself um, to me. I think it is worth to let yourself feel those emotions and to let yourself process that. Um, but then, you know, it's important to, you know, move on and then carry on with your own race. So I think that's what I would want to leave you with. I still kind of like Noah. Depends on the day. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, I concur with everything Noah says. And I think the biggest advice I can give is don't stress um, because uh, right now is not the time to. We'll let you know when it is. Uh, the time to stress. Um, so with that being said, I want to thank you all for tuning in, uh, whether it be on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Music. I don't know what Noah put us on, but a bunch of different platforms. If you're on one of those, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with another episode next month. Thanks again, yeah. guys. See y'all.